You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in, Pat. (laughs) Welcome back to another exciting episode of XOXO After Dark. I'm like dot com. Yeah. Dark cast. No. Anyways, we're back, ladies. I've got Abby. We are sober. And Uh, sober. And Diana. Yay, Diana and our lovely Pat, as always, for another uh, episode. And this one's going to be featuring... Best-selling USA Today, best-selling author Meredith Duran, who is my pride and joy in all things. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit now and later about ending a series. I think uh, you we never really about that before. Yeah, I don't and think we have. That's a really hard nut to crack because you got to pull a lot so of stuff together. Right? Hard, and you never say never in romance right, right. or in most things. Right. If it ain't broke right. and you make a lot of money on it, you don't fix it. Witness that Big Little Lies <laughs> season two. Like, yeah, exactly. how are they going to do that? I don't know. I did see that Adam Scott signed on though. Very important to me. What Scott? Adam, Adam Scott. Scott. Oh, Adam, oh, I'm oh, like, love that of my life. Guy. Yes, that's right. Guys, he's, I don't really like. Isn't him he the show. husband? Yeah, kind of creepy, but whatever. <gasps> no, by the way, I loved him. He was my favorite, and I think that she like, did not appreciate him properly. But then he was like ogling the teenage daughter a little bit. I think. I feel like we were supposed to suspect him of maybe having untoward thoughts. It doesn't I matter. Think we were I supposed to suspect because he got violent with the ex-husband, which was mm, stupid. Which I was into. I was totally into. <laughs> Just me. Okay, no, good. no, no, no. Totally into, into it. Because by the way, why does everybody think he's weird? How about I liked him? He was ass. a nerd. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. We digress. Sorry. Okay. As right. usual, we anyway. digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, you've worked with yeah. you've worked with Meredith for a long time. I don't want to go too in much into it because we'll be talking to her directly uh, very uh, soon. In, very soon. So you can save some of that for that. But you have worked with a ton of authors of series. Um, some still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Some that have a beginning, and middle, it. and end. How do you as an editor advise your authors when it's time to close to up, close shop. it up yeah. and do something new or when you're like, nope, we got this thing is still rolling. When the stories don't feel fresh anymore. Mm-hmm. When we're retreading um when you're not giving characters their own individual path, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds silly, but I really do. When my authors lose sight of who this person is, and we refer to them as persons, right. <laughs> right. like, who is this character? What do you want to achieve? And it's the same thing as the uh, protagonist in the last book. Then we've got problems. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're trying the same ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel fresh and it doesn't feel like something different because it's really about giving the reader another satisfying experience and one of the frustrations I've always had in especially the romance genre is people like the same story like it no matter like what right. we always joke about like do the same but different but it's true no 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 they really do yeah. like the same thing and I was never that reader like I yes did I like something like in Scotland tro- yeah yeah and I mean do I like you know as, and we'll get there with Meredith but you know um fake death you know, or mm. presumed dead. Right. Um, I like that trope, but that's the only thing I like about it. Like, I don't want, I don't like the same Every book Duke right, yeah. in the same ballroom. Like, it's so lame to me. Like, I don't even read Regency anymore. 
because I feel like it's so retread. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult to it's so, do it. It, it kind of well. makes the gems stand out more because it really does. I remember when I picked up Sarah McLean for the first time. Oh yes, I was you love really her. kind of dry on Regency because there was Ugh. a lot of ballrooms. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. And then when I picked her up, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is reimagined. Yeah. Yes. So you do know when somebody breaks Special. it out. Yeah. yeah. And I think it goes back to the writing too. Totally. But it's really about, again, retreading, right? When are you so, not doing yeah. it? Yeah. Well? Sometimes and, this. Sorry. Oh, I was like reaching for my purse, which is over the room, but there's a romance in it that I just stuck in there today that I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this. I and got home a fun read too, a galley yay. from the office. This one was um, sent, uh, sent to us by Avon, yes. actually. Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, it's called. A Princess in Theory. Oh, yeah, um, the Alyssa Cole. Yeah, the Alyssa Cole. That one Cole. is getting such a It is good getting a buzz. ton of she buzz. Wrote, they wrote about it in the New York Times book yes. review. Yeah. Yes. I w- did you and finally E-W. read that piece com. that I was like in right? Um, no, but I, oh, I don't know. We'll have to, I can't remember, so I'll have to talk about that. But um, it uh, it's up on .com, actually, uh, as of this taping. Mm-hmm. I used it as the kickoff for a list of favorite Surprise! You're a princess. Books. Oh, that's fun. I am still a sucker for like the Princess Diaries, yeah. and I kind of like a you're just ordinary, and suddenly you're like you have a tiara now. Let's Who go. Who doesn't dream about that? Um, but it was I a picked it up Meghan and looked at Markle. it, and it really exactly so show. Oh it's, my god, it's the issue of our times, ladies. <laughs> By the way, I need to get on that wedding. It's soon. It's in I, May. I feel very yes, that's soon. out of touch. Is it as good as I hope it's going to be? Good. It is? Yeah, it's good. It's good. And it's good. they did invite the Obamas. Yes. They did. Yep. Yeah, against Sweet. all protocol or whatever. Oh well, yeah. Why? Right. Why is that against? Because, because they're not they inviting invite Trump. Trump. So because that's not protocol. Yeah. supposed to. Oh, heads of state because yeah. but he's well, like well technically the they didn't have son. to because he's the second son so they were given more freedom but it's still an offense to invite the former president and not them and they were like screw you it's our wedding absolutely I like, yeah, i'm loving everything about it do we know, know any great. peaks of the bridesmaids address? No, we, don't. No, we won't know anything do we know where it is i d- we, they did release they did, it i don't remember no me neither Sorry, I think it's appropriate it's that we talk about it's right. aristocracy yeah. for this episode. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I'm not as um, so boned you up. Grab that. Why? Um, honestly, it was the cover copy. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, shout out to whoever that is. Can you bring that back is. when you're done? I yeah. Hate cover copy. Basically, the premise is um, that this woman is a graduate student and um, she has kind of like totally self made, kind of scrapped oh, yes. her way through. And she's getting these like spam emails from. That from this like unknown address that keeps saying you are actually the betrothed of an African prince and please get in touch with us and she's like alright well this is a new version of the scam but whatever and just ignoring them right. well they're true and in fact it's the African prince who's been who remembers that he, he there's this betrothal in his past and he needs to marry to step up and take over his kingdom huh. and so he is determined to find her and he ultimately, when she doesn't answer the emails, he comes to New York City. Oh, to look I would for her. read this for. And her. then it's like a Prince and Popper thing because yeah. um, they meet, and of course he's like super sexy, and she thinks he's a cater waiter, basically. <laughs> By the way, how um, they get bedrothed? Uh, I don't know because that was not in the cover copy. I <laughs> That's adorable. I was like, how right? does she not I, know this? It was like in childhood or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And. Um, uh, He's so a waiter. They, so basically, <laughs> well, he poses to try and meet My her, fair and so lady. she thinks he's just like kind of a broke, it's very broke hot to guy, America. and they're gonna yes. have this relationship. And then he's like, "How do I tell her?" Um, you know, hey, funny thing, we're engaged um, already. Also, we're engaged. And how do you feel about doing graduate work as a princess? 
Um, and I don't know how she feels about it, but I look forward to finding out. Oh, yeah. so fun. That sounds yeah. adorable. And so it's going to be rainy all weekend. So and it's going to be well. rainy all Is weekend. Is it raining all weekend? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about, do you, th- do you guys think that the trilogy, because when self-publishing was really big, indie publishing, I should say, um, and even probably now, uh, trilogies containing the same characters were really big, like mm-hmm. post-Twilight, uh, that got really you know, kind of out of the YA zone. Uh-huh. Um, whereas in traditional romance trilogies, there were always three interconnected brothers like, or friends. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, family. And in things like Harlequin series, they're just ongoing families or dynasties or right. towns or thing, things that are all connected and so that the reader knows what they're going to get. But, like, I know that I, as an editor... I'm less inclined to series now mm-hmm. than I was when I started editing. I, I find that I want to do a lot more standalones. Like, do you think that that's the industry at large or do you think that's just personal preference or? Little about, I like, I if I like a world, mm-hmm. I like staying in the world. So I so kind of. I never want to go back. I kind of embrace the whole, it's a community and you see a couple of like familiar cameos, mm-hmm. but it's a new couple. I mm-hmm. do not care for same couple. same couple over I a think bunch it's of books, which was so a very kind out. of new adult boom right. trend, right. and that because I feel like you always, like you say, you always run out of story before you kind your of don't book need three. the middle book at all, right? And I'm like, yeah, we get it. Um, but if I like a place, I like to go back and revisit that place. That's kind so of funny, so funny because I don't mi- I don't mind editing them. Like in, when I'm re- reading traditional romances, like Kate Meter comes to mind. She mm. sets up a world, and then you're engaging yeah. with all the characters in that world. I like that, but but as a reader, I generally like I don't even think. I think I was just talking about Sarah McLean. I don't think I, I think I maybe read the second book in the series, yeah. but I don't even think I ever read the third or fourth. I don't feel like, the need to read them all unless I love the author. Right. And I do love the author, but I still was like, okay, I kind of know what's going on here. I you got know? it. Like, I don't, I not, it's not place for me. If I really love the author, I tend to be a completionist. That I don't sense. care about order so much because right. I'm like, you can figure it out. <laughs> um, so I am not averse to, which I think is a little bit rare for a lot of readers, I don't feel that I have to start at book one. Right. If I've stumbled upon this person on book five and like it. And because I know as editors, we all work really hard to be like, you could pick this up. I mean, working with Laura Griffin, you can pick her Tracer series up at any point. She's on like Mm -hmm. number 12 now. But I actually, and I like the way that's handled where you have this central workplace. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're getting really a new kind of story that is similar in in feel every Mm -hmm. time. But it's a nice blend of continuity but freshness right exactly well i think maybe we should uh see how meredith does it better and uh you know i think she does it the best um, is this third in a trilogy or was it longer than a trilogy well you know i didn't want to say it but i will now i guess i i don't i hate the whole idea of a series mm-hmm. but this is the rules of the reckless series which in my world which i hope i'm not giving anything up is it's just they kind of all exist in one place together. Okay. Like I don't. It's not like brothers. They're all standalones. Okay. Sure. Um, this one, but the, the reason- ton was small, right? Yes. Everybody knew everybody. It was just an all max or whatever. So I, for me personally, but how are they related? The characters. Well. Or they just spun some, out. Some um, yeah, they just keep on like some know each other, okay. but some don't. For instance. This book is related to our very first book. Oh, okay. There's like that the six one with the yellow cover. Duke of Shadows. No. Oh, I love the one. The, with the, the yellow, yellow cover. cover. I think that was Ladies' Lessons in Scandal. Oh, yeah, I love that one. And that, that was, was or are you thinking of that a bunch of women summer? who all went to. No. Oh. 
Okay. Type uh, they all went to secretarial school together, oh, but cute. they never really knew each other again. Right. Like so, yeah. it's like they all were in an opening mm-hmm. in a prologue, and then they all went off and did to That's their cool. various assignments. So it's one of those things where we call it that because some consumers really like it, mm-hmm. but I don't, and I've never been a proponent of that. If this, can, if your book can't stand alone. You don't know what's going on because mm-hmm. you had to read the one before, then you didn't do your job. Just like the second Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Ah, yeah. right. Yep. You wouldn't even need it. Speaking of, don't need the middle book. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Shall let's we take a little Meredith? break and then we'll call Meredith. Yes. We'll be right back. All right. Well, we're back in the studio. I wish she was here, um, but we're on the phone with USA Today bestselling author Meredith Duran. And we're going to be talking about uh, her new book, The Sins of Lord Lockwood, today. Hey, Mare. Hi. Good to be here. Yay. Well, <laughs> thank you. Um, so I don't even know where to start with this. Um, we were previously talking about the end of a series, and I'm not going to be so bold, because you never say never, mm-hmm. um, that this is the end of a series, because this is really a long-awaited character that we get with Lockwood. But I do think um, y- you are really, I don't know, coming full circle with this book, would you say? Mm-hmm. Ten years, yeah. Yeah. I, wow. I've been emails about him for ten years. Exactly. Yeah. And we first saw Lockwood... In Meredith's very first book, The Duke of Shadows, which, oh my God, I love this book so much. And now, which one? Because Meredith has wonderful settings, and they're always unexpected. Was this? this can you was, remind me we what went Duke to of Shadows? India. Oh yes, we went to India, and you know, I don't know that we've ever talked about this, but for all you potential writers out there, Meredith actually won the Borders Writing Contest, and that's how she got her her contract, her very first book with Pocket Books a million years ago, it seems. Um, so it is, I mean, it, it was a great thing, and we've worked with her ever since because she's now my favorite author. I love her. I love her, but sorry, now we're talking over you. <laughs> Tell us about, a little bit about Lockwood and Anne. Yeah, well, back in The Duke of Shadows, he was sort of a secondary character um, who had returned after being gone for four years in parts unknown, although Julian, the Duke, uh, referenced in the title of that book, knew that he had actually, it was very dramatic. It's probably the most dramatic backstory of any character I've ever created. He had been shanghaied on his wedding day Mm -hmm. and forcibly removed to uh, a rather illicit, not quite official penal colony. And what became clear uh, in the Duke of Shadows was that his wife had finally reunited him and was with him and was not happy uh, to see him. And so, in the sense of Lord Lockwood, we find out that she wasn't happy because she didn't actually know he'd been abducted. Uh, because of their particular history together, she'd assumed he just skipped out. On oh, the it marriage. was so good. He jilted her. Oh. Well, <laughs> Poor thing. you know, it was somewhat of a marriage of convenience. But as you learn through such a the first time I think you ever used this device, Merritt, was um, going, flashing back. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I think it really was more than that, as it's slowly revealed. But, I, you know, 
I've always loved that Meredith's played with tropes, um, especially in the genre, because she and I are both. This is a true diehard like us, Ab. Yeah. She knows her way around the genre. and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been reading it since I was 13. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yep. I think I'm I think I'm like a 14, 15. Yeah. I was in, I think. Was, you were a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer. Um, but, you know, we really liked that he was the Shanghai idea, mm-hmm. you know, taken to a penal colony because I did love me some locked up in prison and some penals in Australia (laughs) um but I think what I think that Meredith doesn't do is she doesn't fall into the same old traps even though we're using these tropes I think that the reaction that these characters had when they were put back in the same place were really so different and not cliche do you want to talk a little about that how they well, coming do, back to I, those characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do love the classic tropes of historical romance. And I, I think what I always like to do is, is take them seriously as like psychologically, like what would happen to you? The arranged marriage, right? So mm-hmm. you're meeting someone for the first time. Like, what would that be like in in their case? um they were, uh, because of their own particular personal histories, they were falling in love. They, they struck up this idea of the arranged marriage themselves because it really benefited both of them for various reasons and didn't quite gamble on the fact that in this very brief whirlwind courtship, they were both going to start having deeper feelings for each other, mm-hmm. um, which uh, because the marriage had been sort of an explicitly agreed upon arrangement between them for you know rather practical economic reasons, neither of them felt particularly comfortable sharing with each other before the actual wedding, you know, not wanting to scare the other off, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they reunite, it, if it were simply an arranged marriage, reuniting would be like, all right, you know, she would say to him, you know, you're an asshole. You ran off. <laughs> Let's get this thing on the road now. Yeah. <laughs> you're back. Um, but because there were basically, you know, feelings of love that had been growing and then gone unspoken. There's a deeper level of betrayal there, which neither of them can own up to because, you know, they hadn't actually been frank with each other before the wedding. So it was the first time I used flashbacks because I I tend to try to avoid them, actually. Um, Mm. It's like I I think really deeply about a character's backstory. I really need to. I I don't plot by plot. I plot by character, you know, understanding Mm -hmm. what someone's greatest fear is, where that came from throughout their youth and then figuring out how the other person can inadvertently hit that greatest fear on the head. Of exactly. Yeah. And yeah, make them vulnerable. Where comes from. And that's mm-hmm. where, that's where love becomes most powerful when someone actually forces you, you know, because you're falling in love with them to confront what frightens you the most and to learn to move through it and past it. And sometimes um, together. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And sometimes together. Meaning, and, yeah. Well, yes. Ideally, yeah. You you move through it together, and you that is when I believe a couple will last. Yep. When they've actually grown together in those ways. Um, yeah. So-, so there was a lot that was that had to be sort of established when they reunite. Because man, talk about a storm cloud of emotion. Oh. Um, oh. You know, not just anger, but also incredible desire, like a, a a fear of the fact that all of those feelings of love are still there, and how can they be? Yep. Because this person, you know, both of them actually have causes to feel betrayed by each other. Yep. Um, even though Anna didn't have a role in what happened to Liam, um, you know, she didn't look for him. She and didn't. I think it's hard for him to square that until he understands. He comes to understand because of her past why she wouldn't have looked, why she would have. It, she would Let have it assumed, go. Yeah, he ran away. People mm-hmm. run away. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I, as a flashback for youth, judiciously, I hope, it was also yes. kind of important because the, 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 the sort of the contemporary narrative in the novel can be very dark at times. Because it can. You can't have someone come back from what he survived and be unscathed by it. Yep. Um, it was a fine uh, line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the flashbacks help. For, and my hope is that, you know, you also get something I've never written before, which is a truly light, like, I don't want to use the term fluffy. I don't think uh-huh. I write fluffy very well. You don't. But like a, a light, <laughs> laughter-filled romance between uh-huh. these two people. It just happens to take place four years before the storm breaks, as it were. Well, this brings me to, I want you to talk about Anna, because the thing that I think one of my she's one of my favorite protagonists you've ever written heroines if you will ever because she really you really as a modern woman relate to anna um she proposes marriage to Mm -hmm. liam i hope that's not a spoiler but it's she's just so modern but still perfectly at home in this historical setting and i think it's just such a credit to mare that she's really given us something that is relatable, but still true to the period and yeah. the time. She showed us, actually, um, on XOXO After Dark, uh, Meredith was uh, kind enough to give us a list of some other inspiring uh, heroines who might be a little sharp of tongue, but um, <laughs> or just strong-willed and bold and brave. And it was... Uh, I have uh, new stuff in my Netflix queue now, but uh, I love that kind of heroine. So Ugh. I am super excited to read this one. It is. She's just so amazing. I mean, do you want to talk a little about Anna and why I mean, she's so see, appealing? Anna, had, Anna was able to be this way because Anna was in somewhat set up by her circumstances, right? I mm-hmm. have never, ever written a character, a female character who is a, um, she has a title in her own right, yep. which is something that you could happen to Scottish women, yep. um, you know, uh, but it's a very rare thing. And for her, because she did have, she effectively had to be raised in many ways, thinking in terms of mas- what were traditionally masculine responsibilities, um, the obligations to her tenantry, to her land, the need for an heir, um, but also the fact that she was raised with a, a goodly deal of, of wealth behind her. Yeah, it didn't she suck. She was able to be <laughs> one of those very few women, which they did exist in the 19th century in very small numbers, who were very much in control of their own lives. At the same time, I think, you know, because of when she was born and raised. Yeah, she she's not quite modern. I mean, she's very modern. You can see how she would have been a CEO in oh, that time period. Totally. Um, <laughs> but she rebooted some of his estates that were falling into ruin and it was through her own doing it for her own self and her own uh properties that I think it was really refreshing and that I related as a working woman if you will mm-hmm. um, and she had a real intellectual curiosity about yes. it as well I and mean, this is something you and I talked about when I was writing the book mm-hmm. you know that she has this, this intense deep scientific curiosity but it's also very practical yeah. because that's how Anna is so she's interested in how to make these new kinds of fang- newfangled manures which were being yeah. developed yeah. in the 19th century mm-hmm. exactly this crop production you know yeah um, and that gave her yeah, this little I, scientific I, dabble because she was like, war- she really liked this kind of stuff. And it was how to make more money. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. loved it. I, I did really, I've written a lot. I mean, I tend to have a deep level of, of empathy for all of my heroines. But, you know, Anna is the heroine where I'm like, I, I wish I could grow up to be her. Yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of them are quite talented and smart in their own ways. But I actually found her a little bit inspiring when writing about her because she had a very firm firm sense of who she was. Um, And she, I think what I liked most about her 
was that she was never going to doubt herself, and that mm-hmm. becomes very important when she, again, spoilers, she she finds out what happens to him, and I think some of my other heroines be like, whoa, you know, and, mm-hmm. and would have to work through that on their own, and she was like, okay, we're going to fix this, <laughs> you know, she... Yep. She was very proactive and very self-confident. And she did obviously have some vulnerable spots because of her own personal history. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I dug her. Oh, my God. <laughs> she has squad goals. Oh, she, she is amazing. And I've never had such a real visceral response to a scene other than when they have their, you think it's going to be their happy ever after because they've had this, you know, emotional connection and uh, you know honesty and the morning after is a shit show and it is her reaction to it is one of my favorite scenes that i think meredith's ever written it's just so good i mean like that bit where you're like oh i exposed way too much and now i'm like backtrack backtrack well yes and he does the typical thing and she's like no really yeah Yeah, you know trying to upset me and you know piss me off Uh. and she's like i see it and (laughs) we're not gonna play that game and she's like we're gonna talk nice and 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 by changing the conversation away from what happened to him to a practical as Mm. as Meredith was saying Anna is practical Mm -hmm. um, because she's had to be and I think it's really interesting for I've never seen it before and that's what I love coming back to a Meredith Duran book over and over for you get things you've never seen before really it's really important to me that both the hero and heroine if they don't start out this way they end understanding that they are true equals and I I feel like that scene was probably the the scene in which of all my books I have characterized them going to toe to toe in a situation where I myself might have been tempted to back down because he his 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 darkness is a little frightening in that scene and she's just like yep I'm looking right into it I could be afraid but no we're gonna just like I'm just gonna roll through it like a steam like a steam Mm. train she is um yeah and she does I love with um, when you can create a couple that has such intensity and such darkness Mm -hmm. that they have to work with. Because one of my favorite moments in the arc of of a romance, of any romance, but it it feels better and more in this, is that um, it's often a small gesture where the halves of the couple they recognize it's the sign that they truly know each other and are together and it's often something in the historicals where the lord who may have been either a little emotionally dense or something is going on he makes some choice or does something because he knows it is what his partner would love or want or Mm -hmm. you know it's either the perfect we talked actually in an earlier episode not about a regency romance but when we were talking to julia sonneborn the author of by the book um, that the uh, hero in that book gives a perfect gift for that particular heroine at the end, or mm-hmm. does uh, ha- there's a gesture that shows, and it's the the moment of recognition is almost like the purest expression of love together, and mm-hmm. and well, it's so good when they're dark, dark and broken first. Is exactly. <laughs> well, I think Anne uh, decides to really understand him and accept him for everything, and I think it's from that moment on, and he can accept and love her and himself to a certain extent that they truly do find their happily ever after. Yeah, I think that basically what we're all looking for, the the true sign of of an extraordinarily healthy relationship is we're all afraid that there are corners of us that 
can't be loved because they're not great corners. And I think that that dark moment is often when those dark corners get shoved into the sunlight. And so what what becomes so powerful about that moment of recognition afterward is that, yes, I have seen that darkest part of you, and I love you. Ugh. Like, you know, and... and and that's where, you know, when people talk about romance as though it's an escape, I I'd actually think what it is is it's a dramatization of something that we all have to live through on just a larger, you know, than life scale mm-hmm. when we are finding the person that we will be with forever, that will we'll make, our, make our lives a more whole and rich and affirming experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. People are like, it's an escape, it's an escape. I always read it for... No, I would want someone to love me this way. You know, it was always right. a, a future aspiration, if you will, versus an escape. I didn't dislike my life. I just wanted that. Right, right. <laughs> and it's also educational in some ways. I mean, we started reading when we were teens. And one yeah. thing I came away from at a very early age was a pretty high expectation. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Like, yep. Well, I've know, met your but... husband and you did good. <laughs> good. I know, I did good. You did real good. You read my earlier novels, if you noticed the change where my heroes became even more incredible exactly even oh, more nice. accepting oh i'm yeah. sorry i just unplugged myself <laughs> even more <laughs> wonderful and accepting and you know mayor i don't know that you've ever read met my husband but he is similar to yours in the sense of we we, we did good we did good and oh you've never met gordon abby's man but yeah, did okay. she did good too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i think that says something about us yes. as readers we our bar is high and mm-hmm. it should be yeah so romance is not an escape it's it's a map <laughs> exactly. It is. It's a map that tells you you don't need to be perfect to find someone who will appreciate every part of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think honestly, on that note, I don't oh. even know what else to say. No better. I think it's obviously time for, <laughs> for true, true confessions. confessions. Um, Poor Meredith is like, what is happening right now? She's no. done this yeah, before. All right. She's done this before. Know, but these but are different questions. questions. We yeah. did. We did. So we're going to start off easy. How do you prepare? Oh, no. How do you take your coffee? Oh, um, I take it black with stevia. Oh. That tracks. That feels on brand. That does yeah. feel. No, actually, I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a recent development. I oh. used to use heavy cream. Yeah, oh. yes, you should. <laughs> no, I was Because like, that's how I take it. I was like, after this interview, I was like, oh, no, she takes her coffee black and strong. She doesn't shy away. <laughs> no, she's, she, she's, no, because I like want to be Meredith when I grow up. Mm-hmm. We were just talking to uh, a, another guest in our last episode and Kristen Harmel, who's fabulous. And it was one of those things where it's like, I want to be her when I grow up. I'm like, I want to be Meredith when I grow up. Um, But anyways, uh, where do you, or how do you prepare to be creative? What is your ritual? And do you have one? No, uh, my ritual is to like isolate myself and become a hermit with my alpha smart Neo, which disconnects me from the internet because I'm a huge Uh, internet junkie. And to surround myself with books full of like incredible prose. And basically when I'm writing it, all I'm doing is I'm writing and then I'm like reading fabulous fiction. Really? Um, Yeah. And it's an incredible technique. Well, this is my 12th book with you now, Lauren. And early on, like I had all sorts of rituals and finally I was like, no, it's just like me and the characters because I get possessed by them. Yeah, I do. It's It's the best part of writing a book is when, you're in that world suddenly and you're waking up every morning. And you're like, oh, that's what happens. That's uh-huh. what happens. That and she has so, a lot of false yeah. starts, too. I mean, I oh, don't God, know, even yeah. want to <laughs> think about all the different 
pages in a garbage and it doesn't even work that way anymore. Right. But it it, it, it frightens me now, on a level. <laughs> when you say you're you all you do is you read fiction when you're not doing the writing, is it do you have to choose a particular different genre, same genre, like very literary fiction? Is it what's is Um what's, no, I read pretty widely. I'm pretty omnivorous in my reading, but I will tell you that um when I'm really, really stuck, what what helps me is going back to just some of my favorite Judith Ivory books because she loves she, her Judith Ivory. Her her language is is brilliant. Mm-hmm. She she's a wordsmith. I mean her the beauty of her sentences is just always so surprising and startling and inspiring to me. But her grip on character is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. And I really dig that. I love somebody who can show me a character. I think I understand them, and they just take them further and deeper and deeper and deeper until I understand this person inside out like they're someone I've known my whole life. Yep. And so she she only wrote, at this point, I think I've written more books than she mm-hmm. did. Which you is did. A shame. I have offered to take dictation for her if she ever changes her mind and comes back to writing. But, That's um, how I felt about Laura Kinzel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Laura Kinzel is another one. Man, talk about beautiful language. No, but like. I think, uh, you know, I just love the way and I think you've done the same thing with your own characters, Mare. You you really do. She has to know them or she can't write them mm-hmm. and that's that's what makes your books great, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. I know, right? So on the flip side of that, what do you do to procrastinate? Everything. Um, I'm a master procrastinator. I will suddenly take up a gym routine. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of not going. I will spend like eight million years like reading about I don't know monastery tables and how I probably need one. Oh, then, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I love it. I feel you. I feel you. Um, what's your dream project? My dream project mm-hmm. and. In, in terms of writing? You know, I don't... I, yeah, I guess I would say. Or you can say, I don't feel like answering this question. <laughs> you no, could no, say no, that I too. Clear, I've always had a very clear dream project in my head. It's, That's... Not, it's not romance, but it's historical, and it's it's a particular story I need to tell about the Tudor court with Henry VIII that has not Ooh. been told. Ooh! Philippa um, didn't do it? Tudor, <laughs> uh, I've been obsessed with Tudor England since I was... I was called... I had a nickname Renaissance Girl when I was in high school because <laughs> oh. I started playing the medieval lute. Like, I was oh, wearing wow. my hair. I was like a huge geek. <laughs> oh, no, that just makes like, you cool. Oh. Um, I love that. Well, that actually is fabulous to hear because I love that you were like, no, it would be Henry VIII sing England. It would right. be Tudor. <laughs> would it be mm-hmm. Henry VIII? No, she can't tell it here. She has to write no, it. No, no, no. I know. I, I, I just was curious okay. to which generation of Tudor. That's all. I have a very, I have a very like well-developed theory and I've done a ton of reading Ooh. about, particularly about Anne Boleyn and Jean Seymour and like it's an interpretation that's not out there, but there's nothing out there in the historical records to, to disprove my theory, and I just think it would be very interesting. I know there there are enough Tudor geeks out there like me that would probably find it thought-provoking at the least. And Excellent. plus, you know, I, I am obsessed with Hilary Mantel's Tudor series. Oh, so I'm also so like, not good. happy with her treatment of Anne Boleyn. Oh. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. Time to clap back. Um, do an intervention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Anne Boleyn narrative. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Reclaiming Anne Boleyn. Exactly. She was given. Mm-hmm. She was done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, so was Jane Seymour. That's yeah. all I say. I actually I agree with that too. Um, what do you do to overcome? Cre- I don't think you've ever had this. Never mind. I'm not giving you that one. <laughs> um, what have you learned from failure? What have I learned from what? Failure. 
failure. Sorry. Oh, Lauren, <laughs> you see my failures when I send you 300 pages and we're both That's like, true. this needs to be thrown out. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it- get it, but I know when I read for pure pleasure with her mm-hmm. that she's got it. Right. And sometimes I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I think you've already actually said what I've learned from my failures, which is that I have to have an iron grip on the characters 100%. before I can tell their story. Exactly true. Um, because I'm not a plotter. Every, every plot I've ever outlined, the only thing it guarantees is the book won't get written that way. <laughs> Honestly, um, it's true. She's made herself crazy. Oh, oh God, yeah. the times. It makes me so upset. Mm-hmm. But anyways, last but not least, what's your favorite romantic book? I would have to say it's Judith. I, I give the same answer every time. I'm so boring this way. Judith Ivory's um, Bliss, which is about an ether addict, addicted failed sculptor in like, like Belle Epoque, like France, who and the uh, American ingenue who is overly intrigued, and it's not a good idea to be intrigued by an ether addicted sculptor, but somehow, despite dealing with them with a degree of psychological veracity that stunned me, Judith Ivory made it into the most romantic story on the planet. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I love you for being consistent because as am I, uh, I always say the same book always. And it's about a what Duke who has book? this. Oh, it's Flowers in the Storm by Laura Kinzale because oh, yeah. who can make another book that should not have been possible to make work. But possible. What yeah. Duke can have a stroke and be a hero. It just is not possible. But she did it. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you, sister. I'm with you. Well, everyone, make sure you go out and get Meredith Duran's brand new book, The Sins of Lord Lockwood. I can tell you that before it published on Tuesday, or last Tuesday when I think this is airing, um, I actually reread it when I got it hot off the presses because I couldn't stop myself. And and that's a testament because editors almost (laughs) never, by the time the book is an actual book, I never want to see it again. We read it 18 times. Exactly. You know, (laughs) I reread it, Marin. That is not a lie. I reread it. Oh, and this is what I'll end with. The pages are bent. I can confirm. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) But I also made my stepmother has a book group in Florida of about 20 women. And I was happened to be there when I was home visiting and I went to her book group and they were like, what should we read next? And they were like, what do you recommend? And I'm like, I just reread one of my author's books. You don't have to pick it. I don't, I'm just going to tell you what it's about. And it's amazing. And she's a wordsmith and I worship the ground she walks on and they're like done. Mm-hmm. So they are all reading the sins of Lord Lockwood for their book next That's book club. Awesome. If they decide they want to interview me, let me know. I'll oh my God, then. that would be so cool. <laughs> that, that might have to happen, but I'll let you know. I would love that. Oh, yeah. you're the best. Well, thank you for joining us. And again, sins of Lord Lockwood, you won't be disappointed. Thank you again for joining us. Meredith. Thanks, Meredith. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk to y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, Meredith is the bestest. <laughs> oh, my God, I love her. You guys have a very nice bond. Oh, and <laughs> in honor of um, the adventures of uh, Lord Lockwood, I have planned a game for us. It is a guessing game um, that I have tried to do sort of in the vein of a blind item. Okay. Uh, because Lord Lockwood was sort of missing, presumed dead, mm-hmm. I have found some famous people who faked their deaths. Ooh. And you have to guess who they are. Okay. And I have tried to pepper the description with little clues, and I've tried to keep them pretty famous. So okay. I'm doing my we'll best. See if we can do this. I could not link them to romance in any way because okay. Wikipedia was not so um, kind. No, they, yeah, or romance people don't need to fake their own deaths because they're happier. Aww. I think that's it. I agree. All right, number one, first hand up, we'll get the point. Or the first one to get it right, I'll ask. Uh, we will you shout. Know. 
This man apparently decided his lady wasn't the one that he wants when he faked his death as an accident at sea. But 11 years later, he was found enjoying some summer oh, loving in Mexico. in Mexico. I don't John know. Travolta? No. No. I'll give it's you Greece, this though. one. If you can give me the famous connection, you don't have to get this particular guy. Frankie Valley. Greece is the connection. Who are the humans that I am talking about? One of them is a famous person. Who is, is it the, the director? Who is the lady that this guy faked his death to escape? Um, I don't know, but I know that they were in Greece? Mexico. Yes. Olivia Newton John. Olivia Newton John. Sorry, that I goes to Diana. You there. Oh my God. Her husband was found. It was her boyfriend. Um, yes, he was found eleven years later. Uh, he had faked his death. They thought back. he was lost at sea. <laughs> um, and she like grieved, and it was public and everything. And then it was found not that long ago. I right? He was dead. I didn't no. even know that, that in Mexico. Happened. That's crazy. Are you really going to give Diana that point? I am. Yes. She said it first, she really girl. did get it. Look, and you were sleeping in Greece. You couldn't come up with a little off a cruise ship, if I'm not mistaken. I'm spitting. I thought well, you were talking about Greece, the country, so I was confused. <laughs> no. No, no. You right. don't win. All right. Fair that's fair. right. Two more chances. <laughs> Two you more chances. Win. There are points go, go, yet go. to win. This famous writer must have been cuckoo to fake his own death, or was it One just a merry the prank? cuckoo's nest. That's not the name of a human. <laughs> Fleeing marijuana charges. Hunter S. Thompson? No. Who wrote, one who wrote that? Oh, well, the, what, first of you who can remember is going to get this point. Um, How about the first who can Google flew it? South, he flew <laughs> south of the border to ditch the cops and sip on some electric Kool-Aid. Oh, 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 oh. Electric Kool-Aid acid test, too? That is also yes, the name of a book, him. but not a human. Um, um, he's the guy in the movie from of him. Hunter, not Hunter Tom. No, I Hunter Tom. She already sent, but you're both wrong. I said it that. Is not, it's not. No, the electric Kool-Aid acid test I even have. Yes. And Cuckoo's Nest, you are absolutely right on who this person is. It's only one of Stanley. Is it three names? It is only two names. No. We they both it. begin it's with the same initial. If I tell name. you it starts with K. I have them. Ken. Ken Kesey. There you go. Wow, I you. never would have gotten that. All right. Know it. Thank Ken you. Ken Kesey. We'll give it. Right again. <laughs> Okay. I don't, you don't get to. You guys only gloat that much. Right. I don't get to go crazy on that one. You don't get to gloat on that one. No. <laughs> all right, last one, Kate. This is your chance Let's to hope. tie it all up. Oh. Um, I don't think this is the one you're going to tie it up on. Because <laughs> this was the last like famous person that I had even heard of that oh, I could do. No. I'm so I'm sorry. Um, let's get ready to rumble as we tackle this next one. Take your seats in the wrestling ring. Hulk Hogan. No. No, but good it's one. It's Don Rest- White. Don. No. Don. Who's no. the, the guy that I know you have, but it's not him anyway. Don King. Don King is who you're thinking of. Thank you. This wrestler turned announcer said farewell to his character by stepping into a limo that exploded. What? WWE fans were really pretty raw after that until the show came clean. And Savage. It was Randy Savage. Line. The Rock. No. What other wrestlers are there? Is it the Executioner? Is it Taz? (laughs) (laughs) We are in Taz's studio. It is not Taz. He is not a current wrestler. He it moved wasn't into Hulk announcing. Hogan. It he wasn't was announcing. Was he Rowdy like, Roddy Piper? No. The key here is, is Andre let's get ready to rumble. rumble. Yeah, I know who that guy is. I can see his face. That's why right. I went Don King. Because no. it's like the announcer. Um, that guy is... Oh, well, I'll and never he's get this. Hi, he's get like this a high up in it. I don't think my dad would get it. What McMahon? is it? Yes. <gasps> what? Diana. Vince McMahon. Diana that brings it home. Diana wins. Winner. Well done. Wow. Well done to all of you. That was hard, and there were not enough was more relevant people that fake their deaths that I could use clues. Everybody else is like I, an international criminal. When you said that, criminal. I was like, there are people who do this, and we know. I was like, what happened? Yeah, they're all on Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, well, we will. I'm buying. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> Kate's going to buy us a drink, but only one because otherwise one of us may be lured into faking our own.
own death or something. <laughs> it all starts with drinking too much and also apparently fleeing punitive drug laws. Seems to be a lot of it. <laughs> sure. I'm just, I'm, look, I've learned a lot today, you guys. Oh all right. Uh, all good things must Hi, come to an end. Larry. We've learned that this show. So thank you to our wonderful guest, uh, Meredith Duran. Thanks to all you guys. And remember, the best conversations happen, happen after, after dark. dark.